Yes. All right. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here this morning. Are you excited to be here this morning? All right. In closing, we just thank you, Lord. <laughs> We're excited to be here. We're excited to be in the presence of the Lord. And I hope that you're ready for this morning. Um, I feel like this is something that the Lord has just been stirring in my heart over the last several weeks. Um, and I just have to say, last week was just a wonderful time together. If you were here last week, um, it was just great to be in community in smaller ways and in a different way worshiping the Lord. And so from start to finish, it was a great time. I hope that you experienced the presence of the Lord in, in a, an unusual way, perhaps, for you. But I hope that you also experience the Lord today in what he's wanting to do in and through us. So as I start this morning, I have to tell you a recent story uh, of something that happened. And um, to do that, I need to let you know that I, I belong to a fitness center. And some of you might be really shocked at that because you're like, look at that guy with spaghetti arms and stick legs. <laughs> and you might be saying, okay, sure, yeah, you belong to a fitness center. But uh, as being a member of that fitness center, I have an opportunity to have a fitness evaluation each month. I meet with a coach um, who we usually just go through things and talk about how has the last month been and is there anything new or how's your, your diet been and those types of things. And we go through that routine and uh, then I go on this body scanner machine. And on the body scanner machine, I'll step on it and this is usually the first step and hold out my arms on these handles, and it reads my weight, and it scans the body for your body fat and, and the, the levels of water that you have in your body and those types of things. So you stand on there, and you try to be still for a little while. So then that all takes place, and then, you know, you kind of reassemble, get your socks and shoes back on, and you go into the guy's office, and uh, we talk about the results. So my last one was at, toward the end of August. And leading up to this evaluation, um, I've come off of two weeks of vacation, and then you know how that first week back to work is, um, as far as then getting reacclimated and, and those types of things. So I hadn't been to the fitness center except for one time, uh, two days prior to this fitness evaluation. I'm like, I need to get in, otherwise I'm going to get really scolded. <laughs> well... Um, Heading into the evaluation, I knew that this would not be my best results, and my expectations were correct. So the body scan showed that I had gained 2.1 percentage points of fat uh, in the last five weeks. Well, yes, you indulge on vacation, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, my visceral fat mass had gone up, you know, around my internal organs. It had, I know, right? It was double-digit increase. It wasn't good. Um, and I had lost almost three pounds of muscle mass. Um, yeah, really bad whammy all around. So these things are not the end of the world, but I was definitely not trending in the right direction. So as we sit down, we get to that point and we're talking about workouts and diet and, you know, you have to, you have to give the excuse, right? Well, I was on vacation for a couple of weeks, and, and then my first week back at work was really busy. We're, we've got a project that we're trying to get launched and, and all of those things. And he checks my visits over the last month, and I, he said something to the effect of, wow, you've been here like once in the last month. 
And I said, yeah, that's kind of what I just said. Um, and then he went back to the previous month and he says, it looks like you only made it in three month, three times during the month of July. What happened there? And I, I couldn't think of what had happened. I thought of it later and that there was, there had been a power outage and they weren't reading your scans coming in. But in the moment I couldn't think of it. And I'm like, I honestly don't even know what to say. I just didn't make it in. Um, I tried not to think of that too much, but after a few more moments of discussing my history and seeing that I was not even coming close to meeting my goals, he looks at me and he says, so what is it going to take for you to start meeting this goal and getting into workout? I mean, life happens, but what are you going to do to make this a priority for your life? And in that moment, I will confess, I did not have happy thoughts. I did not have a positive internal reaction to what he was saying. I sat there, and I looked at this 20-something young man. And internally, I'm thinking, you punk. How dare you question my priorities in life? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been doing. How dare you? So, needless to say, this was all in my thoughts. This was all in my head. This is not what I was going to say, but I just, I went blank. I probably had that, like, look. And I'm trying to remain calm, and I replied, I would definitely have to start making some changes and making some um, plans to, to, to plan it out and get into the gym a little bit more. So after a few more minutes of discussing and, and going through all that and how he could help me and, um, and maybe, you know, think about things for my diet, I left and I began to work out. I'm like, apparently I really need to do that right about now. And I'll say this, that his questions really stuck with me throughout the day. I stewed about it. Like, I literally stewed about it the whole day. And I just replayed those questions and my internal reaction to him all day. It bothered me quite a bit. And I will say it probably was very good that Amy and Micah were both at school or at work <laughs> taking care of things because it just bothered me. And I sat through that day needing to process my thoughts and feelings of annoyance at what was said. I'm like, again, I'm like all day, you punk. Now, there is a point why I tell this story, and we're going to get to the tie-in in just a second, but I want us to look at a few scriptures that are going to frame or give a backdrop to, for today's message. So I ask you to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 11. As you turn to Acts chapter 11, some of you might be thinking, wait, we just finished the Acts series. Well, guess what? It's Acts refresh again. No, no. Uh, it, actually, my heart was stirred by a few of the scriptures as I was reading through the book during this time, especially in these last several weeks. Like, these verses just kind of started to resonate with me as far as, like, my perspective and my approach. So in Acts chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 19 through 23 to start off. So Acts chapter 11, verse 19 says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, 
who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Now, notice what Paul or Barnabas did when he came to Antioch. He exhorted them. He encouraged them. He was really pushing them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Now, turn a page or two to Acts chapter 13 and verse 43, where it says, And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. One more. Go to the next chapter. We're going to read 14, verses 21 to 22. And it says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. I hope you're noticing a little bit of a pattern here in these verses, that these men, in each of these situations, are encouraging the believers to remain faithful to the Lord, to continue in the faith, to continue in the grace and the strength of God. They are encouraging them to stick with the Lord and follow his ways. And from the outset today, I want you to know that I'm just simply desiring to encourage you in your faith today, to be faithful to the Lord with purpose, to be strong in the Lord and in his grace, and to continue walking with the Lord Jesus day by day, week by week, month by month, and so on. So I may say some things today that initially hit you wrong, and you might think, you punk. Or how dare you? You may think that. I'm going to just say, okay. But I want you to know from the very beginning that I may say some things that hit you wrong, but I want you to know that I do it from a heart of love that desires to see you grow and flourish in the life that you have in Christ. So with that being said, I want to set before you a practice that will help you immensely to be and remain faithful to the Lord This practice is simply reading the Bible and engaging with what it says. My goal today is that you will have a greater desire to read and engage and interact with the Bible, the Word of God. And some of you might say, well, duh, of course we should read the Bible. But I'm finding that people, even believers today, are not spending time in the Word. Even though we may say that we know we should, We don't. So I'm grieved and I'm concerned about some of these trends. And I think we can see some of the effects in our society today. So let's throw up some statistics related to Bible reading. For the past 12 years, the American Bible Study has been putting together an annual State of the Bible survey and report. In their 2022 State of the Bible report, they found that 40% of Americans say they never read the Bible. That is up from 29% in their study from 2021. Four out of every 10 Americans never read the Bible. 
On the flip side, they discovered that 26%, roughly one in four Americans, read the Bible one time per week or more. And this is down from the 2021 report, which reported 34%. We're going in the wrong direction in that sense in America. But what about for churchgoers? This is American population at large. What about for churchgoers? What are we seeing there? Well, a 2019 LifeWay research study found that 32%, nearly one-third of Protestant churchgoers, of whom we would be a part of that statistic, read their Bible every day. So one out of every three churchgoers reads their Bible every day. That's a good sign. Another 39% say they read their Bible either once or a few times per week. So that means about 70% of churchgoers read their Bible at least one time per week, which is great when you compare it to the American population at large. But at one time per week, that's like eating one meal on Sunday and you don't do anything again until you eat another meal the following Sunday. I guess it would be one way to lose my body fat, but... um, (laughs) Eating one time per week. Just let that sink in. And so when we think about our spiritual lives and how we need to feed our spiritual lives, if we are only partaking one time per week, that's not a good sign. Although it is better than nothing, I am concerned that we may not be getting enough spiritual nutrition to sustain us and to help us truly remain faithful in the Lord. So I'm going to throw out a challenge to you, which I will also follow with an encouragement. But the challenge to you is this. What are you going to do to make this a priority for your life? What will it take for you to start or continue being consistent in reading the Word of God and engaging with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? Now, remember, I warned you, I may say some things, and you might be thinking, you punk. That's okay. Here's the encouragement that I offer up alongside the challenge. Start somewhere, begin to make it a habit, for you will not regret it. It is something that will be life-giving and it will be foundational. And here's some reasons why. First, as we read his word, we get to know the one whom we follow. Like, how are you going to follow the Lord God if you don't even know who he is, what he represents, what he stands for, what he's like, etc., etc., We need to get into the word, and through engaging with it, we then can grow in our understanding and our knowledge of God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Savior. As believers, we know that the Bible is the inspired word of God and is his revelation to all people of himself and his plan of salvation. And that little sentence there. That's from Bible Quiz. So if you've got some Bible Quizzers in the room, that's for you. So as we read his word, we let it sink into our hearts and minds. We know him in deeper and deeper ways. We just experience his goodness and his greatness because he has revealed himself, his identity, his character, his ways, his his thoughts. And he's revealed all those things to all of humanity in his word. And we discover more and more as we read his word. And I feel like I need to just share a few little of these tidbits to just kind of whet the appetite a little bit. 
So in 1 John 4, 8, we understand that God is love. Not, not even just that God loves. God is love. In 1 John 1, 5, we read that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. There is not even a hint of evil or anything like that with God. James 1, 17 tells us, and we can discover, that he is the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So we come to know through that that he is constant and unchanging. He's not like a fish that has just come out of water that's flipping all over. He is constant. He is steadfast. He is unchanging. And in Exodus 34, verse 6, we see the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is just the tip of the iceberg of who our God is. But we can also read about the things that he has done and that he continues to do. Let's just start at the very beginning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He put everything together. You look outside these windows or you walk outside these doors later on and you can just behold all or a, well, the Wisconsin portion of his creation, right? All that we see around us, the flowers and the trees, the deer and the turkeys, the hills and the lakes, the sun, the moon, the stars, and the galaxies beyond, all of it has been created by God. And he is holding it all together, as it says in Nehemiah 9, 6, that you preserve all of them. You've made the heavens and the earth and all that is in it, and you preserve all of them. He keeps all of creation functioning as it should. And in the world-famous verse of John 3.16, we know that he gave his only son. Why? So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And as a result of that tremendous gift, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 shows us that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He could have left us stuck in our sin, being governed by dark and evil ways, but he has taken any and all who choose to follow him out of that realm and brought us into his kingdom. And in Ephesians 1.3, we read that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And Paul delineates some of those blessings which God lavishes on us throughout Ephesians chapter 1. That God chose us to be holy and blameless before him. That he adopted us to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. That we have been redeemed and our sins are forgiven. That we have obtained an inheritance through Christ that he has sealed us as believers. He has set us apart for himself with the promised Holy Spirit who guarantees our inheritance until the day when he brings us home to himself for all of eternity. Can we just thank the Lord this morning for his goodness in our lives? Amen? God is good, and we can discover that as we take time to be in his word. And that's one reason that I know you will not regret making reading the Word of God 
a habit. And here's a second reason. Through reading the Word, the Bible, we discover the instruction manual for living the full, abundant life that He desires for us. As Christ followers, we've accepted Christ's invitation to a new life, right? We've accepted that invitation to walk in a new way of life. Yet, He didn't just say, hey, I've invited you to a new way of life. You can go figure it out on your own. Like, there you go. I'm dropping you in Port Washington or Ozaki County or wherever and go figure it out. No, he has given us his word as a revelation of himself and how to walk, talk, and do life like he does. In 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, we read that all scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, he has inspired and spoken the words of all scripture. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. God has not only called us to a new way of life, but he has also given us the instruction manual to follow his thought process for this good, beautiful life that he has for us. Now, by way of example, let me ask you this. How many people in here are familiar with Ikea? How many of you have one or more articles from Ikea in your house? So you've gone through the process of getting the stuff from Ikea and building it, right? So for those of you who may not be familiar, you shop at Ikea, you go through the store, you see all of the furniture assembled, and it is put together so nice, and you're like, that would look so wonderful in my house. That funky bookcase or that comfy sofa or, you know, maybe you do the whole thing and do the kitchen. You know, that you can get a kitchen from Ikea. Now, you find that piece and most often you just jot down the location for where you will need to go then find the box for that item because you go then at the end of your shopping trip to the warehouse section, we'll call it. And there are aisles and aisles of things that you can have and you get to put them all together, whatever it might be. So you might have to go to aisle 24, bin 15, and you grab the box, you stick it on your cart or your your dolly and you bring it through and you buy it. Then you bring it home and you get to go through the process of assembling that piece of furniture. Thankfully, they provide an instruction manual for you to follow because they've measured out all the steps and how it needs to go. There's usually a picture of what it should look like at the end. And you get the step-by-step of how it should look. Now, it's a good idea to follow the steps. I'm one who, give me the instruction manual and I can follow it and it'll be fine. But if I would choose not to, sometimes things happen. And you can run into issues that are sometimes known as IKEA fails. Take, for example, this chair. At least I think that's what it was supposed to be. I will just caution you, be careful when you sit down on that. Or this storage cart with drawers. I will say I don't think much is going to fit in that third drawer. For this next one, I think it should be a table of some kind, but it's probably safest to hide your women and children from that. If you want a slanted view on things, go ahead and sit in this chair. 
Um, just make sure you've got a good sense of balance even as you're sitting. And last but certainly not least is this bed type con- contraption. Let's just say that someone will be getting up on the wrong side of the bed. So just like it's a good idea to follow the IKEA instruction manual, because if you do so, things will, should come out right, so we can apply that to our lives as we are trying to take the Word of God as the instruction manual for our life. We should follow it. I think it has, I think it has some really good uh, principles for us to live by. And God wants us to have a blessed, vibrant, beautiful life. And so he has provided the full picture of what it looks like through his word. And then he gives us some good steps in our lives through his word. So as we read these things and we say, okay, I'm going to follow his way rather than the way that I maybe am used to or the way that the people around me might tell me are, are the way that I should go. And even in the midst of troubles and struggles, we can live in the fullness of all that God has for us by applying his word to our own lives. We can take what he says in here and we can say, all right, I've been trying to go without the instruction manual, but now I'm going to try to follow the instruction manual and walk. And maybe it's one principle and you're just like, I got to walk in this for a while and I got to just follow this and as the Lord just reveals more and more to you, you're going to be able to go further and further with him. Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25, gives us an account of Jesus telling people, as he wraps up what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, some instructions. And kind of he gives a final parable as he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm just going to read the first part of it. But he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. God's word is the unshakable foundation for anything and everything that we have faced, that we are facing, and that we will face in the future. God's word is our stable, unshakable foundation. It is filled with principles and answers for every facet of our lives, for relationships, for finances, for decisions, for temptations, for feelings like anger, bitterness, joy, and there is so much more. If you have a question, you can find it in his word as far as these principles that will guide our lives. And as we read and engage with the word of God, we can apply those principles so that we can have those vibrant, full lives rather than the Ikea fail kind of life. And my heart for you today is that we can, that we can all just have this perspective. I've, I want to follow what the word says. I don't even want to follow what an interpretation that someone else has given about the word. I want to follow what the word says. So that's my hope and my goal. And this morning, I know that we've been seeing the word of God and engaging with it is a highly beneficial thing for our lives. 
that we get to know the one whom we follow and we discover the wonderful instruction manual for life given to us by God. Yet I want to get very practical here for just a few minutes because I know that we often see or face hurdles that keep us from doing that that prevent us from taking the step to build the habit. Or somewhere along the line, the habit got broken, and we're just having a hard time getting back into that routine and that rhythm. So what I'm about to say is not meant to bring any type of guilt. Again, this is just meant to be helpful and practical, to encourage, maybe even to inspire some ideas for you. Because one common hurdle that I hear time after time for reading God's word is just that. It's time. I just don't have enough time. I don't seem to ever have enough time to be able to fit it in, to squeeze it in. Yes, that is a real thing. We all lead busy lives. But I encourage you to make time, to schedule it into your day somehow. So with Amy being a teacher at Dominican, she had to go on a a beginning of the school kind of retreat, and they were talking about how the Catholic Archdiocese of Milwaukee has been launching an initiative or they've maybe it's been around for a little while but they've really been trying to get this out there of just the one percent so did you know that there are 1440 minutes in every single day 24 times 60 equals 1440 minutes if you take one percent of that you'd have just under 15 minutes so they're encouraging people to take 15 minutes one percent of your day to engage with the Lord in in Bible reading and prayer. What if you were to do that? What if you were to just block out a 15-minute portion of time? A lot of times in that 15 minutes, you'd be able to read a chapter from, from the Bible, and you would even be able to just think about that, maybe write down some notes, something along those lines, just to take some time and dedicate that. To prioritize, prioritize, 1% of your day to reading and engaging with the Word of God. You could carve out that time again. You could read a chapter. You could then think about what you've read and how it applies to your life. You could even pray and talk to God about it. Now, maybe reading is not your thing. You have a hard time focusing in and reading. Well, I've got something for you as well. Maybe you can find an audio Bible app, something that would read the Word to you in an auditory way, and you'd be able to soak in what is being said. There are plenty of Bible apps out there. The version or the Bible app, that will read it auditorily for you. That was a great word, auditorily. Um, and, or there are other Bible apps. Um, I heard just recently that there are even ones that you can get people to read to you with accents. I mean, who wouldn't love a good British accent reading the Word of God to you? Maybe... Another challenge in this realm of time is you have littles at home. And you have, from the time, maybe from before the time you get up, they are tugging at you, they are wanting your attention, and they are just, it it seems like there is never time. I'm going to just encourage you, maybe there is a way that you can read Scripture together. Or maybe it's you have the audio in the background and you're hearing it, but maybe you can read the word with your little children. You take time and make that a priority and say, hey, Susie, Johnny, we're going to read the word together. And you can read some of the fun, exciting parts, um, you know, David and Goliath, whatever. Um, 
Because you'll also get a double bonus with this. You're feeding yourself and you're modeling a fantastic practice for your kids. Like, hey, it's time to read our Bible and we're going to do this together as a family. Now, another hurdle might be, I don't know where to start. Like, I, you know, I've started with Genesis, I go through Exodus, I get to Leviticus, and then I'm done. I'm out. Okay? There is a time and a season to go through Leviticus, and um, it may not always be the right season. Okay? Um, it can be overwhelming sometimes to think about where to begin reading in the Bible or where to go next. Or you, you're, you say, okay, I'm taking the 1% time and I want to read, and where do I go? All right, we're looking at Psalms, and I have no idea what they're saying. Start with, maybe you need to find a Bible reading plan. Maybe you need to find something that's going to just kind of coach you along the way. Maybe um, you can do a gurgle, a gurgle, a, <laughs> that's it. Um, you can do a Google search. Wow. Yeah. I won't be doing this for several weeks, let me just say. Um, you can do a Google search. You can find all kinds of Bible reading plans. There are ones to take you through the entire Bible or the New Testament in a year. Or did you know that if you took the next 90 days and read um, one chapter from each of the Gospels, you'd be able to read all four Gospels in the next 90 days? That might be a great place to start. There might be even topical Bible studies or, or Bible reading plans to help you get started. You, you may say, I just need to get some more words on grace or peace or whatever it might be. The key is to be purposeful in your plan. It's going to help you from floundering around and you waste five minutes and you're already tired as you're reading to be purposeful about it and to say, all right, this is my plan and this is where I'm going to go as I'm reading the word. And if you're like, I just don't know, I will be the first in line to say, I will help you find one. I would love to help you find one or more, you know, to just get you going. The last hurdle that I want to address deals with the Bible is so dense. It's sometimes like drudgery. It's boring. Well, I've heard one pastor, not at this church, say, the Bible's not boring. You're boring, boo. We're going to go with this. Now, I won't go that far to just say, you're boring, boo. But I will say, take some time to get into the Bible. And if you're just even going for an overview of it, there is some crazy stuff in the Bible. I'm just going to give you some tidbits. You can read about a guy who has to walk around naked prophesying to the nation of Israel for three years. Yeah, you will not see me doing that. Um, thank the Lord. Another prophet had to lie on his side for over a year and cook his food over cow dung. 
yeah, I know people like camping, but no, no, no. Read the book of Judges, and there's like wacky stuff there that goes on. All through the history of the nation of Israel, there are some amazing stories. Some are crazy, and some are just amazing that will build your faith. Like if God did that for them, he can do it for me, he can do it for my friend or whomever it might be. And that is just the beginning. And there are times when it can feel like hard work to read through a section of Scripture. Leviticus, you're like, why am I here? Why am I reading this? But in those moments, there are such powerful truths. Like God put it in there for a reason. And in those times, I encourage you maybe to just change your approach or your method to how you're approaching the Scripture. Maybe you start and you just pray and ask God to reveal truth to you. God, why am I reading about burnt and sin offerings right now? God, why, why does it seem like this next chapter is going to be really tough? Lord, would you just reveal truth to me and show me how to apply it in my own life? Ask him maybe to make the word to be like a portion of your favorite food. Like, God, as I read this, would you just make this a wonderful piece of German chocolate cake It for my soul? Now, my wife hates coconut, so she would probably be saying, make it a nice salad or a nice hamburger, something like that. Perhaps you just start to write down the main point of what you're reading. Perhaps you draw a picture of what you've just read. If you're like already like in that way, you know, write, draw, make it meaningful. Help it to just take root in your life so that it's not just, oh, I read it and there it went and it's gone. But instead, you're making it so that it sticks into your heart and your mind because I know that it is good for us. I know that it is something that will help us as we go on in our lives. Sometimes we don't always understand or know why as we, as we read through something, but I know that it is good. You, you may not remember what you ate for supper on Tuesday, and you may not remember whether it was really good or, or not, but all that you can say is, I know that it fed my, my, my flesh, it fed my body so that I could have strength. Sometimes reading the word of God is like that as well. We may read it and we may just wonder, I'm not really sure, but I know it's good. I know it's good for me to be reading. I know it's good for me to be ingesting this into my heart and in my life. So find even a topic that interests you or you have questions on and you dive into the word and explore what God has to say about it. Maybe it's his grace. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's prophets cooking over cow poop. The sky is the limit as to what you can dig into and really get to know God and what he has for us. So at this time, I'm going to ask the worship team to come to the platform as we close. Again, I cannot stress enough the importance of reading the word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you spend time in the word. And it's not because I worship the Bible, but I know that it is the inspired word of God that he has given to us as our creator and as our sovereign Lord. And he reveals himself, who he is, through his written word. 
And he gives us a powerful instruction manual so that we can navigate life and live in the fullness that he has for us. So earlier I threw out a challenge and I want to reiterate it here as well. And I repeat it again because I want to encourage you to be faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose and to be and remain strong in the Lord and in his grace. So here we go. What are you going to do to make reading and engaging with the word of God a priority for your life? As the activity of summer is waning and many have now started the school year, a lot of those activities have just kind of, they're drifting off. This is a great time to start up or reinstitute the practice of getting into the word. So my encouragement today is start somewhere. See what God might do in your life as you spend that time with him. And if there is any way that I or the other pastors can help you in this endeavor, please seek us out and ask. We want to help you to grow and be faithful in the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today with great thanks. Thank you for giving us your word in written form. Thank you for giving us a way to discover and get to know you more and more and more. Thank you for providing us with a new, blessed life and then also showing us how to live in that fullness that you have for us. Lord, help us to be people of your word who stand on the firm and solid foundation of your word, who make it a practice to engage with you and that we just continue to build into that foundation on which we stand. Let us grow in Christ-likeness more and more as we sit in your presence reading your word, engaging with it, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And Lord, just be glorified in it all, we pray. Thank you, Lord.